Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, this is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. And at that party, we announced that we are launching our future church campaign and initiative coming up in this series. And so I want you guys to be aware of that in case you weren't there. So what is this idea of the future church? It's that our future is unfinished because God is unfinished. And our desire is to invest in this space in such a way that's going to allow us to be a more visible church here in this neighborhood and community. And God's been so gracious to us all along the way. We've seen it. You can look at the timeline over there at every year and the ways that God has met us. And all those stars on that timeline represent a person, person's impact or experience of God. And, and so I'm excited about this because what this allows us to do is to have a space that's dedicated to our kids. It also allows us to have a space where we have a kitchen and we can use that yeah, phew. hallelujah, food. And, and, and it also frees up space in here for offices, spiritual direction, recording music and the arts. And so this really allows us to take a giant step forward. And so we're inviting each of you to mark next week on your calendar. We're going to be talking about Future Church next week. And then after each service, we'll have a Q&A time to talk about how does this work, what's this look like all of that. And so be in prayer about this as we step out in faith uh, together on the Future Church initiative that's getting kicked off. So this last week we talked about, in week one of Era Regnum, we talked about the kingdom at work deep within, that nothing ever happens out here before it takes place in here. That it has to initiate and start in that, in that deeper space in, in, in our interior lives. And so this week we're talking about, so then what happens as it moves outwards? As, as if transformation belongs to God, then what is it that God is going to do? What is it that God's going to make possible in light of what's becoming a reality in our own interiors? How do we move from the head to the heart, which we talked about last week, but today, how do we move from the heart to the hands, to the feet? How do we get into the spaces all around us? How do we co-opt them for the common good? For the true and beautiful work that God's doing? How do we uh, invigorate small communities dispersed and scattered throughout the city? What does that look like? Can the places that we frequent become the living rooms of our neighborhoods? Can the places you visit become the living rooms of our communities, whether it's your workplace or wherever it is? And, and, and so I say all this to say that there's a vision before us that involves something far more than what takes place right here when we show up on the weekends. Solomon talks about this. It's not going to come up on the screen, but he says that as the, the righteous flourish, the city rejoices. And so as we experience the abundance of God's kingdom, the fruit of that isn't our fruit. It's the fruit that's for those that are all around us. And while we get to taste it and experience it and enjoy it, that fruit is the way in which God reveals and puts on display His Spirit in you, showing others what's possible, what's possible 
for them. Now, I recognize that so often we plant seeds, but the seeds don't grow fruit. And, and there's all sorts of reasons for that, that we ourselves are challenged with. But at the core of it, as we trust Jesus and faithfully follow him, eventually, over time, incrementally, God begins to nourish and develop something beautiful and good. And it does take time. Sometimes it's overnight. Sometimes it's quick. But it's a lifelong process of trusting and walking it out with God. But the conviction is that God's kingdom deep within me will have a profound effect on the world around me. That God has not, he's not only interested in your soul, he's interested in everything, all things, redeemed for the glory of God and for the well-being of people and earth itself. Now, the challenge is, it's not a lack of need for redemption, right? It's not a lack of need for restoration. Like, if we look outside these walls, heck, if we look inside these walls, we see all sorts of challenges. How many of you have been in dark spaces just in the last year? A dark season, a dark space, a hard challenging? Okay, let's go back. How about the last three years? It exists. It's around us. So my question is, in that space, were you light? Were you light in that space? Not always. Thank you, for the tr- <laughs> Thank you for the truth over there. See, the challenge is, it's not that there's a lack of spaces that, 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 are, that need to experience the fruit of God's kingdom. The challenge is that the church struggles to be the church in those spaces. We have fallen short on that. You and I have fallen short on that initiative in front. We've hoarded the goods for ourselves. But the mark of maturity is, as we talked about last week, joy, but it's also generosity. It's giving it up. It's surrender. It's letting it go because I don't need to hold it for myself. That's what a consumer does. That's what our culture does. But that's not what the kingdom culture does. So all around us, identity issues, poverty issues, health problems, heat waves, addictions, fires, systemic challenges, evil, war, anxiety, social depression, oppression, spiritual warfare, UFOs in the sky, you name it. There are challenges. Pick your heartstring. Because what's deep within needs to get out. And if your idea about how this works is, well, I just can't tackle it all, and so I might as well just kind of like, you know, hope it happens. But here's the thing. Hope is not the best strategy for making it happen. Hope is a gift that God gives us to see what can happen and to know what will happen. But the space, the bridgeway between there is the surrender. It's the letting go. It's the trusting. It's taking the faith step to walk it out to be the light, because at our core, what we are, those of you that are followers of Jesus, you are marked as a missionary. That's what you are. Did you know that? People ask me all the time, how many missionaries are you supporting? Well, I don't know, a couple hundred. Really? Yes. Yes. We've got a whole bunch of them, because we are called to live our lives 
and to put Jesus on display in every category that we find ourselves in. This is not a private faith. This is a corporate faith, a together faith. We are on mission together to help the city rejoice and experience the fruit of God. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says this, and we've heard it before. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. I'm sorry, can, is, there should be a verse before that, John chapter 20. That's okay, turn there in your Bibles. John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So, so hold up, bring that back. It was there, right? There it is. John 20, verse 21. All right, there it is. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So check it out. Hang on to this for a second. There's a pattern here. What, what does the, God the Father do with Jesus? What does God the Father do with Jesus? He sends him. What does Jesus do with you? He sends us. That's the pattern. That's the pattern that we are in as followers of Jesus. We're sent, which means we're not comfortable. It means we, we don't have it all figured out. It means that there are roads ahead that you haven't traversed. It means that you are living in a space in which God's Spirit is going to have to lead you. So if you opt for not trusting the Spirit and staying in the place in which you know how to lead and control, you are missing out on the fruit of the sentness of God, the, the, the commissioning of our Lord. He is sending us. It's a command. It's not a, hey, if you'd like as you go, tell other people about me. Make disciples. If you feel like it, go ahead and make disciples. He never said that. And nor could we ever imagine him saying something like that. So then, now chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. My prayer, Jesus prays this as the one who is sent by God, who then sends us. My prayer is not for them alone, you and I. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Not his message, their message. Hear this. That just as God sent me, I'm now sending you. And my prayer is that, that they will believe in me through your message. So, so what is your message? And, and you wear it on your sleeve and you speak it out your mouth. And you live it with your feet. That's the truth. You have a message. What does that message point to? What does it serve? What does it surround? Because wherever you're going, that message is infecting everything all around us. And our commission is to make disciples and to live in the pattern that God has put before us. Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go, practice on the birds. Speak it to the skies. Everything under heaven 
needs to hear, witness, experience, taste, and see the fruit of the kingdom of God. Because the fruit, that's what the fruit's for. It's to feed a starving world. John chapter 4, verse 34, I love this. My food, said Jesus, is to, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, again, stay with the pattern. What is your food? What is your food? To do the will. If, if the Father sent Jesus and Jesus' food was to do the Father's will and Jesus sent us, then what is our food? What is communion on Sunday? What is it that we're consuming? The life, blood, person of Jesus. Are we... Are we feasting on, on the will of Jesus for our life? In the same way that Jesus was feasting on the will of God. Is this what, think about this, is this Oh. What is your food? Is it to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work? And so, so again, we come back to this conversation about consumerism because you're, we're all eating something. We're all taking in, we're all digesting, we're all participating in something. And the church has played into this. We have been eating. But has our food been the will of Jesus? And, and, and we are what we eat, right? And so everybody's making disciples, not just the church. Everybody is making disciples with what they're serving them. And everyone's becoming a disciple of what you're eating. That's the reality. And, and some of us, our, have our kids back there, and we're making little, you know, church kids. I'm not interested in making church kids. I'm interested in making kids that are disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so again, we have to look at what is it that we're feeding? What is it that we are consuming? We are really good at... Uh, circling around our needs and our wants. And that's an indicator that we are not yet uh, uh, responding to the commission that God wants for us. And, and so, so what I'm trying to say here is that uh, as much as you are doing the devotional circle with your friends or ch churchgoers, you need to be out with strangers, serving them, loving on them, to the degree at which you are filling up your tank, you need to be pouring it out for others. Because Jesus was poured out, and remember the pattern, so we are poured out. We have to be a gathered community, but we are also called to be a scattered community. That's the reality. That's the reality. And far too many Christian establishments are more concerned with getting everybody here than getting everybody out there. And so we need to say yes to the invitation to live 
on mission as missionaries for Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'll become dying clicks that serve the status quo, stifles the Spirit's movement, pushes responsibility and expectations on others. I, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the food, the doing the will of the one who sent us. I don't want to live in accordance with the vulture culture, just taking whatever I can for myself. Malnourished, recycled decay. I want, I want the real thing all the way. So Jesus doesn't call us to be consumers. He calls us to be disciples. And so as I've already alluded to, what matters is this question of what is it that we are doing with what we've been given? How are we responding to what we have received? And it comes back to the salt question. Are you salt? Are you light? Do you love your enemies? Do you hold your possessions loosely? Are you friends of sinners? Or are you still just circling around the consumption of religious goods? Paul, Paul gets at this really good. He challenged, it's not going to come up yet, but in, in the book of Corinth, you can check it out in chapter 3. He challenges the church for being consumers. He says, listen, you guys just care about Apollos or Paul or whoever your favorite preacher is. It's not about that. Stop drinking the milk and go experience the real thing. And he takes about 15 verses to explain this, but, he, but he's saying, stop it. Stop that. It's time to move on. And then in Hebrews, he picks it back up and more strongly, and so I've chosen to go there. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Um, it's not going to come up on the screen. Verse 1 through 8 is, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and to faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying of the hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. Okay, like that's all, that's all good. And God permitting, we will do so, he says in verse 3. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away, it's impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. And he says this in verse 7. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So, so there's a lot of words, but he's saying, listen, as we move on to maturity, we are dispensing fruit. We are taking with us gifts and offerings to others. We are not staying in the ankle-deep grounds. We are moving forward into maturity, into boldness, into, into generosity, into these places. Fruit. 
that's in here becomes fruit out there, a crop useful to those for whom it is formed. That's, that's what we're looking at. Has the good news in you become good food for others? As, as the rain falls on you, as, the, as the, the Spirit of God falls on you, as the truth of God falls on you, as you take in the, the Scriptures, as you meet with your Bible group, as you do all that stuff, and the rain gets in, what comes out on the other side? Both have to be at play. I know a lot of us are at doubt about what we can do, and, and, I, and it's too overwhelming, and we think it's too much, and I hear it all the time, that it's like, oh, and, and we kind of like minimize the, the mission. Because it's always someone's already doing that, or, or pick your, your butt you know, but hold on. We've always got one. And we think we, we, we can never be good enough. We think we can never do it. And, 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 and you're right. You can't. And if your confidence is in you doing it, you're right. You can't. But if your confidence is that Jesus is going to do something with you that you could never do with yourself, he can, and he does. So as we talked about last week, humility is how we move from the head to the heart. But then denying ourselves is how we move from the heart to the hands. Consumers listen to the once, and they feed the once. Disciples listen to Jesus, and they feed Jesus. It goes both ways. That's why Jesus can say, if you've given to the least of these, you've given to me. See, the truth is the invitation for the kingdom of God to happen out here is an invitation to go and be with God and other with other people. It's relationship. And, 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 if that, and if we're struggling to do that, here's, what I, here's the tangible I want to give you. There's a shift you can make. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So when, it, when push comes to shove, our invitation is, is in those spaces of, I want to take care of my wants and my needs, but we're being invited to instead say yes to God's Spirit and to trust in the Spirit. And to notice that this other thing, this other ache, this other possibility that's emerging in our own mind or it's emerging in, our, in opportunities out here is, is an invitation from God's Spirit to say yes. And we could break that down more, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Because we're so used to saying no to those opportunities. We're so used to filling those opportunity spaces with all kinds of excuses. Just go be foolish and be silly. Say yes and fall down every time. That's far better 
than the alternative. Because you are sent. You are sent for this. Abram was sent to the pagan land. Moses sent to Egypt. Joshua sent across the Georgian, Jordan. Heck, he even sent his spies to Rahab to, to help her out. Jonah sent to Nineveh. In every story, God's people are sent. And guess what? You are the bride of Christ. And God is sending you. He's sending you out. He's not hoarding you for himself. He's inviting you to join the mission. So today you're going to get that opportunity to join the mission and, 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 and take the next step. At the end of our service, I've asked all of our community group leaders to line up in the back with a sign-up sheet. And I'm challenging you to consider joining one of our community groups. Those groups are or have been commissioned to live in fellowship with each other and in fellowship with the world, to, to love on the world around them, to live it out together for others. And they have been cha challenged to pick projects, to get behind, to serve. Uh, we, we've been working with um, the city code enforcement for two years now, helping veterans and, and, and people that are elderly that can't do yard work themselves. We've been working with the community center and the, and the school over here. Some of them are adopting bars and some are adopting restaurants and hanging out and loving on the, the people that work there. Like, there's so many ways that we can be sent and begin to model that out together. But we need to do it together. This is not a solo project. This is not, this is not, this is a, this is a wolf pack. Okay? We're all in it. So at the end of the service, I want to invite you to hop in on that, okay? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, help us to uh, just say yes. Say yes to the invitation to live it out together in our world and to be uh, courageous in that way, to trust you, not ourselves. Help us to do that today, Jesus. Help us to respond in faith like that, Jesus. Um, we're, we're trusting you now to, 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 to make the fruit. Amen.